This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Stars hold it in, 10 seconds left. Here's Robertson in the near quarter. He gives it away to Tanev, who gives the puck to Lindholm, who shoots it down the ice. Will it be icing? No, it won't. The game is over. The Flames hold on despite almost blowing a five-goal lead. They will leave Dallas with a 6-5 victory over the Stars and six of a possible eight points to start their five-game road trip. That was too close for comfort. That was too close for comfort. Calgary Flames 6-5 winners over the Dallas Stars Saturday afternoon. And what's all of a sudden turned into a pretty successful road trip, as you heard Derek mention. Now six of a possible eight points as they head into Nashville tonight to finish up this five-game road trip. Happy Monday. Welcome to the show. This is Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Logan Gordon coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio in Calgary, Alberta. Outstanding production duo of Cam and Taylor this afternoon. Good afternoon, friends. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi, Taylor. Hi. Cam didn't say good morning for once. See, it's one o'clock today. No. So I actually can consider it the afternoon. Noon is still the afternoon. It was nice. Afternoon. It was nice to get a little... A little breather. Eric, hope you enjoyed the uh, Eric Francis show. Of course, runs every Monday here from uh, noon to 1 o'clock on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Lots to get to on the show today. We'll uh, chat with Pete Labardius in just moments, talking Flames and Predators. We'll uh, talk about what was a crazy weekend in the NFL. Super Wild Card Weekend did not disappoint. It finishes off with the Bucks and the Cowboys tonight. Um, I promise Peter Labardis we won't talk any football on our hit because there's no reason for either of us to talk about any football. Uh, we'll check in with Willie Doncic of the uh, Nashville Predators, take a look at what Nashville's been up to this season, and uh, we'll also hear from a couple of the Calgary Flames ahead of tonight's matchup, including uh, head coach Daryl Sutter, Nikita Zadorov, and Milan Lucic. But let's uh, go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, kick the show off like we always do. That's by saying hello to the color voice of the Calgary Flames. He is Peter Labardius, and he is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Happy Monday, Lou. How are you, sir? Uh, happy Monday to you. We're not going to talk football? No. We, you and me have no reason to talk about any football from this weekend. Okay. So. Y- your team, yeah. You, yeah. You, you certainly don't. Nope. Got nothing good to say about anything. And if I said anything about it, it'd probably wind up with me not uh, doing this job anymore. So it's probably best not to go there. I got you. Yeah. I got yeah, you. I got you. I think I'm actually in a better place. Oh, yeah. Today with the football than you. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's still over. Yeah. That's fair. Yep. Uh, Lou, take me back to Saturday afternoon. Uh, a rare opportunity for you guys to be done before midnight on a Saturday. You weren't working the late game on Hockey Night in Canada. You guys were working the first game on the schedule Saturday afternoon, Flames and Stars. And 
What a back and forth we saw between these two teams. It ends with that 6-5 win for the Calgary Flames, but it was a wild process getting us to that final. Yeah, I don't completely know how to feel about it. You'll hear from assistant coach Cale McLean, who I asked him how the coaching staff felt about it, but I the best part was for two periods, they continued right where they left off in St. Louis. Their forecheck was excellent. Um, their power play was a little sloppy, but it connected a couple of times. And, you know, they really gave Dallas something that the Stars didn't look like they were completely prepared for. And they were a very connected group. And it was funny sometimes, Logan, how you get a sense. And so it's at six to one and the flames kind of shut it down a little bit. The last couple of minutes of the period and they give up that late goal to Tyler Sagan. And at that point, um, Patty, not so much Patty, but Derek was looking at me like, why do you have a concerned look on your face? And we talked about it in between periods. I said, I just, you know, I don't think it's quite time yet to be talking about Nashville in the next game. And I knew Dallas was as good a third period team as there was in the league. And if you go in at six, one, it's done. There's, there's, there's nothing for them to build on. It would have been a five goal deficit, but you go in for them with a little momentum and you come out and you go, well, if we can get an early one, Maybe we can turn this thing. And, oh, they turned that thing. And they sure did. Um, I mean, good news for the Calgary Flames, Lou. The starts have been much better of late, and they got another good start on Saturday. Andrew Mangiapane gets one uh, 25 seconds in. I, I don't know what's led to the better starts, but it's certainly been a point of emphasis. But at the same point, it's also led to some harrowing third periods as this team's tried to survive a couple of onslaughts, and some nights they haven't been able to. No, some nights they haven't, including one of the games on this road trip where they took a 3-1 lead into the third period in St. Louis, and then in 28 seconds, that really, really good work to get there was evaporated. Um, Third periods have not been their best this year. That certainly is of some concern. First periods... The last time I checked, which was earlier today, they've scored more first-period goals than any team in the league. Yep. So that would indicate that starts aren't as big a problem. But it also shows sometimes, Logan, that numbers aren't everything either. You beat the Dallas Stars. That was not an easy thing to do. You now have six out of eight. You have one of the best records in the Western Conference. I think number three overall in the Western Conference since early December. It's just, and I chatted with the morning guys today about this very thing. This team, you know, if again, if you look at the body of work, is progressing really nicely. Yet it still doesn't really feel that way, does it? No, the results are there, but I mean, even going back on this road trip, it felt like the sky was falling. I know. As soon as uh, they lost that second game in St. Louis, and talking about oh, the goaltending again, and this and that. Oh and, yeah, we got to move Jacob. Yeah. And 
all this ridiculous nonsense. But, you know, today, and that's why I wanted to go here, is you have to again, and I won't stop doing this as much as people won't like it, you still have to have some focus on the whole body of work. It's what's going to get you there. They don't, they're not going to stop after tonight, no matter what, and go, you're in or you're out. But it doesn't happen. They don't stop until 82. Mm-hmm. And there's progression, there's dips, there's highs, there's lows. And this team is, you know, they are starting to really, I think, find their way. So let's hear from assistant coach Cale McLean and his thoughts on how the staff felt and assessed it after the 6-5 win Saturday afternoon in Big D. We don't like to have uh, leads evaporate in that fashion, obviously, but we also realize that this is a tough road trip and um, we uh, definitely put together two good periods and we came out with two points. And so there is some perspective on that side of it, but at the same time, we, we you know wanted to dig into what caused us to take a turn for the worse in the third period. Um, you know, what parts of our checking weren't on um, sort of in sync in terms of being able to contend with Dallas's speed. They broke out in that third period. So we did go, you know, through those things, but at the same time, uh, push the guys to correct them and also to continue the forward momentum in terms of the points that we've been getting. Yeah, that sums it up in a nice little bow, doesn't it? It sure does. And uh, as Derek said in that call that we played coming in here, Lou, it's now six points of a possible eight on this road trip. Um, There has only been one game this entire month of January, Lou, where the Flames have not picked up at least a point, and they'll look to end off this road trip with a win here tonight in Nashville against a uh, a Preds team fighting right alongside them when it comes to a playoff spot uh, in the Western Conference. Uh, Before we we move on to to tonight's matchup against the Predators, it is an interesting one. Uh, Taking a look at this Nashville group, just a a quick thought from Saturday. uh, We'll go back to, or I guess, excuse me, I want to correct that. Back to today's game and the changes that we'll see from Saturday. Uh, sounds as though the only change we'll see in the lineup tonight is the Flames will go back to Jacob Markstrom in net. Um, tough one for Dan Vladar on, on Saturday, Lou. Uh, not his usual outstanding self, but I, I thought he came up with some key saves at key times and kept his cool for his team when he needed to. Do you win the game? Yes. Yeah. Is that the most important thing? Yes. Uh, was it his absolute best day? No. But... You know, Patty and I talked about this on the pregame show. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk, as you know, in the last little while about, in some ways and in some people's minds, how badly, you know, Markstrom has played in comparison to Vladar. Well, the thing I challenge Patty with in terms of those situations is, how about not only compare numbers like the end numbers, but how about the number of quality chances that this team gives up in their last five or six starts when both those guys play? And guess what happened the other day? Was Daniel Vladar bad? No, he wasn't. Not at all. But did this team, especially in the third, give up too many great A's? Yes, they did. And 
So, and yet the game before in St. Louis, they gave up nine in the whole game. So you, you can't forget about the activity that goes along with the end result. So Jacob Markstrom going for the Calgary Flames tonight. We expect to see UC Soros on the other side for the Nashville Predators. And what do you think of, Lou, when you think of this year's edition of the Preds? What uh, what comes to mind when you look at the Flames' opponent tonight? Well, right now they're seven points out of a playoff spot in a very difficult division. I see some real comparison. And some comparison in an area where you think about people like Duchesne, who had 86 points, you think about a pretty solid season for Ryan Johansson, who had 63. Tanner Janot kind of took the world by storm, the former Moose Jaw Warrior star. He had 24 goals. This year he's had three. See a lot of guys who uh, put up career numbers, and you knew those were going to be top to top again this year. Sound familiar? Yeah, that's, that's that sounds like a narrative we we might have heard once or twice, Lou. Yes. So, <laughs> um, you know, those are the things that happen, and generally, people's averages end up being exactly closer to who and what they are and what you should expect. Uh, you know, and even in the case of a young player, well, it was going to be pretty hard for Tanner Janot to. You know, I don't see him as a 20-goal guy in the league. He got 20 once, and he's a really good player. Really good. So there's been some, if you will, course correction. They're in a difficult division. And I still don't love this group in regards to some key areas. So you take a look at tonight's lineup. And I'm excited about it because there's nothing I like better than watching young players who I've watched along the way, you know, make their way into the league, including the gentleman who's going to center Forsberg and Duchesne. And that's 21-year-old seventh-round pick, Yuso Parsonen out of Finland, who played in the World Junior for them in the bubble and was pretty impressive in 2021. He's got 17 points in 28 games. He's riding a five-game point streak. So, you know, Nashville, again, it's never an easy place to be, right? They're kind of in that middle ground. And they have a fine, fine top four on defense. Still trying to solidify their third pair. So it's not perfect. And... Nobody is, and they have some young players. You know, they're still hoping Cody Glass, a former sixth overall pick to Vegas, can find his way. But they play hard, and, you know, you better look after Roman Yossi on the back end. And and when their four-check and transition game is in good shape, they're a really, really good team. Uh, these two teams met back in early November, Lou. You'll remember that one as uh, the Mark Jankowski revenge game, his first uh, against the team that drafted him back in 2012. Uh, that was a 4-1 Predators win on uh, Saddle Dome Ice. Anything 
that strikes you going back to that game that the Flames will want to correct heading into tonight? Um, I'd love to tell you that I have vivid, glorious memories of it. <laughs> I, I, I don't. But I do remember this about that game, and that was Nashville was really determined early in the game yes. and, got, and got to their game quickly, and it left the Flames in a situation to chase the game the majority of the night, and it didn't work out so well. So that is my memory of that particular night, and the Flames who you know, have done a much better job of starting well, maybe with one exception on this trip, and that was the game in Chicago to start it last Sunday, that will be of paramount importance tonight. And, you know, their best people were pretty good in that particular game. Duchesne had a goal and an assist. Yossi had a terrific night. Ekholm was very solid. They got a solid goaltending performance, so... Like I said, game five of five, guys about ready to come home, uh, you know, had a nice extra long little visit in Nashville. Going to leave that right there. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see what the fellas have to bring tonight. Uh, quickly before we let you go here, two things I want to get to, including this uh, clip from Kale McLean earlier today as well. And, uh, the coaching staff and their approach and, you know, analyzing this Preds team. A second time the Flames will see them this year. Here is Kale McLean. You'll hear this in its entirety with Lou uh, later on today on the Coaches Show on uh, Flames pregame uh, at 5 o'clock tonight. But uh, here is Kale McLean on the Predators and how the Flames are going to approach this tough game uh, against Nashville tonight. They transition really quick. So I guess part of what goes into their transition is that their neutral zone is, is quite clogging, for lack of a better term. One, three, one kind of shape. And they'll sort of bait you into making passes underneath and then running into their set of three or else forcing a bad uh, dump to their defenseman who's waiting in the back. So it's easy for him to get his eyes up and then make that next play. So that's where it starts. And then where it where it leads to is that the guys that we're talking about, whether it's Yossi or uh, Ekholm as D, or whether it's Johansson or Duchesne or Granlin, um, these guys, Forsberg, will they'll get going really quick. So their transition is fast, and they get three forwards high fast. So you've got to be good about placing your pucks when you have to put it behind them. And also you have to understand that whenever you turn anything over, whenever you line change, Anything you do sloppy and slow is going to go back up really fast to a team that transitions well and has really good shooters. So it's uh, it's quite a recipe when they're on. The puck is is moving, traveling long distances to guys that can really shoot it. So you can imagine uh, gaps and things like that are hard to contend with. So the, the moral of that story is try not to turn it over and uh, be real sharp with where you place your pucks. breakdown of what a team does and what you have to be concerned about that just got off the phone with them today and and literally just thanked them because it was another one of those conversations where now as the analyst I just feel so much better prepared not that I don't watch Nashville and not that I am not familiar but just 
love the fact that, you know, I'm going to be watching three things really closely tonight, and that is puck placement, how you deal in the neutral zone, and the third thing is, led by Yossi, they are a very hard team to contain, especially when he is on the ice, because, you know, as, as Kale said, and, and I, you know, if you like learning about the game technically, I would highly recommend listening to tonight's coaches show, which I'm looking forward to actually listening to over again, um, just in regards to Yossi is such a hard guy to deal with because not only is movement through the neutral zone, is movement in zone, and he, he just, Logan, before you know it, it's like he's underneath the hash marks in front of your net, and a lot of times he doesn't go away. And Kale just raved about, you know, he's different than Makar, who I think is the most difficult guy to contain. But what Kale said to me was the difference with this guy, and not that he's better because Makar is better, but he goes, this guy is so smart in knowing when to jump into holes, when to remain in deep, when to make sure he's back. And and the one thing I've always loved about watching Roman Yossi play for a long time now is with his skating ability and smarts, it's always amazing to me how he can be in front of your net and five seconds later when he should be caught in transition, he never seems to be. Yeah, he's incredible. He's always fun to watch, and uh, I can't wait to do so again tonight. Uh, It's another 6 p.m. puck drop uh, between the Preds and the Flames tonight. Before I let you go, Lou, though, uh, a sad moment in the hockey world yesterday, and uh, I'd love to ask you what comes to mind when uh, I talk to you about uh, longtime Canuck Gino Ojic, who passed away yesterday. Well, I, I don't think there's any question that for Gino, um, especially in Vancouver and in the Indigenous community, his his legacy will live on for a long, long time. Um, he made a massive difference in those two areas. I, I don't think his off-ice challenges were always easy by any stretch. In fact, I know that they weren't. But, you know, losing him at 52 is just ridiculously young, incredibly sad. And for someone who made a real significant difference before he left us and gave people hope, gave people hope. I think very much so in the indigenous community. And so those are the things that I think about, not to mention uh, he was one tough son of a gun beyond belief. When I think about Gino Ojic. Lou, appreciate that, sir. Thank you for your time. As always, uh, have a great call tonight and we'll uh, chat with you tomorrow to break down the flames and the predators. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everybody. Take care. Pete Labardius, uh, our Flames insider and the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, he joins us every single day to kick off the program. 
and he's brought to you by the good folks at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit the Gemini Group. We'll chat more Flames and Predators throughout the show this afternoon. We'll also hear from head coach, uh, excuse me, associate coach Kirk Muller. His thoughts ahead of this one, Milan Lucic and Nikita Zadorov all coming up. But it was a wild Sunday, part of the NFL's wild card, super wild card uh, weekend of games. It still goes tonight, uh, Monday night football, uh, to end off the first round of playoff games in the NFL. Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from Tampa Bay. But we'll take a second uh, next segment to look back at what was a wild Saturday and Sunday in the NFL. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour one rolls on. Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Logan Gordon along with you, Cam and Taylor, our outstanding production duo in the other room. Flames game day against the Nashville Predators tonight. Second meeting of these two teams. They met back in November. That was a 4-1 Nashville win. Tonight, a 6 o'clock puck drop. 5 o'clock Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg and Pete Labardius. Before Derek Wills and Lou call the Flames and the Preds right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960. The fan, it's a busy day across the NHL. Three games underway on this uh, Martin Luther King Day in uh, the United States. Panthers just finishing up a 4-1 win over the Sabres. It's been heated between the Bruins and the Flyers, and that'll happen when you're getting it handed to you like the Flyers are. 6 nothing Bruins. A couple minutes left to go in the third period. Avs up one nothing on the Red Wings midway through the first period. Still to come in the next little while here, you have Devil Sharks, Lightning Kraken, Stars, Golden Knights, and then you start getting into the more usual times, uh, the 5 o'clock puck drops, etc. Uh, last game of the night, uh, Flames and Predators. Uh, Sends and Blues also going at 6 o'clock tonight. We'll chat more uh, on the Predators and the Flames in a couple of uh, moments here. We'll get uh, Willie Doncic, Preds, um, play-by-play to talk a little bit about uh, Nashville season. We'll also hear from a couple of the Flames following uh, morning skate today, including associate coach Kirk Muller, Milan Lucic, and Nikita Zadorov. But, I wanted to go uh, on this segment and look back on what was a crazy Sunday in the NFL. Super wild card weekend got underway with the 49ers and the Jaguars picking up wins on Saturday and Sunday. Expectations seemed to be a little bit lower heading into this because, let's be honest, two teams came into action on Saturday without their starting quarterback, and they certainly didn't have the veteran presence back there that would give you a lot of faith that they were going to be able to even keep the game close. That was quickly, that that, that mentality was quickly evaporated uh, by the Bengals-Ravens game, the Dolphins and the Bills game, uh, with three tremendous games on Sunday. Let's take a look back at them, starting with the Bills and the Dolphins. 
Buffalo gets the win 34-31. But don't look now. At one point in the third quarter, the Dolphins were able to take a lead in this game thanks to a Josh Allen fumble. Eric Rowe picks it up, causes the fumble. Dolphins go up late, and it looks as though Skylar Thompson, the third-string quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, might not only keep Miami in this game, despite being heavily outfavored compared to the Bills, but he might win it for them. Josh Allen, however, had other plans. Allen back to pass, surveying the field, fires to the end zone to Davis. Did he get both feet down? Touchdown, Buffalo! A 23-yard missile launch by Allen to Davis. That was one of two passing touchdowns in the third quarter for Josh Allen, who recovers from that fumble return for a touchdown to give the Bills the lead. They would give up a rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter. The Dolphins would have a chance to get in field goal range. They would be stifled by the Bills' defense. And despite being, I believe, the heaviest favorites on the weekend, the Bills squeak out a 34-31 victory. Skylar Thompson did as much as you can expect from a third-string quarterback. He was 18-45, 220 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. That's only good for a 44.7 QBR. And I, I honestly think he did. He exceeded expectations for what I thought walking into Buffalo. That's a tough place to play. 70,000 fans screaming uh, as the Bills look to get back to a Super Bowl. And good enough for him. He kept his team in it, had a chance to win it late. It wasn't going to happen. But the Bills now move on to next week in what should be a massive one. And, of course, uh, everybody was wondering ahead of this game, would we see DeMar Hamlin? Would he lead the team out, perhaps? He's back in Buffalo. He's back at home. He's out of uh, intensive care. Uh, He stayed away from the game, obviously. Big moment for him to be there. Maybe next week he will feel healthy enough to go there. Uh, But as you hear from Bills cornerback Tredavious White here, uh, even seeing him around the team this week gave them an extra bit of motivation heading into that game on Sunday. All we needed was to see his face um, and see him walking around. Once we knew he was healthy, you know, we kind of had a weight lifted off our shoulders. But then actually seeing him in person, uh, it was amazing, man. Uh, every, Every guy on the team just, you know, was so happy to see him. So the Bills escape um, a Chargers-ish fate, and uh, despite having a big lead in this one, they had a 17-0 lead at one point um, and gave up the lead to the Miami Dolphins at one point, come out with the victory and head into the divisional round. Now uh, we would wait till later in the evening to find out their opponent, but before we get there, uh, the mid-afternoon game, Giants-Vikings. This one wasn't talked about enough, uh, really, for how good it was. This one was probably the closest game, depending on how tonight goes between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. Both of these teams coming in the Dome in Minneapolis. Weather wasn't going to be a factor. Giants 9-7-1 on the year. Vikings 13-4. But as it usually is with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, the questions come whether or not they can get it done in prime time. And it was, unfortunately for Minnesota fans, the Giants who had the better time of it on Sunday afternoon. Jones takes the snap, handoff Barkley, hit, and dives ahead. And is he in for the touchdown? Yes, touchdown Saquon Barkley. And the Giants have the lead with 7.47 to go in the ballgame. 
A back-and-forth affair in Minnesota. Every team, uh, Both teams scoring in every quarter. Giants come out on top thanks to two rushing touchdowns from Saquon Barkley, including that one that you just heard late in the fourth quarter to give them their final lead. 31-24 the final. Brian Dable's uh, initial season with the Minnesota uh, with the New York Giants, excuse me, uh, leads them to a playoff victory and perhaps cements Daniel Jones' future as the quarterback of the New York Giants going forward. He's 24 of 35, 301 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. He talked uh, post game about the big win over Minnesota. I think it's a big win for us. Um, you know, obviously big playoff game. Uh, I thought we played well all three phases and. Um, you know, did enough to win the game. So uh, we'll enjoy it tonight, but a lot of work to do going forward. On the Minnesota th- uh, side of things, disappointment, obviously, to lose a home playoff game. They came in favorites around two and a half point favorites, so just under a field goal. A great regular season for Minnesota, 13 and four. Kirk Cousins, not the problem necessarily last night, 31 of 39, 273 yards passing. He throws for two touchdowns and zero interceptions. That's a pretty good game overall. Had a good usage of TJ Hawkinson, the tight end, formerly of the Detroit Lions. Had himself a great game. But when it comes down to it and it comes down to those big moments, everybody talking last night about the decision late in the game, fourth down, fourth and eight for the Minnesota Vikings to keep their potential game-tying drive alive. And the play call, first of all, doesn't get it done. You throw an underneath route that gets about three yards and that will be questioned rightfully. So fourth down, you absolutely have to have to have to at a minimum, give yourself a chance to get it to the the first down marker. I, I, I don't like the play calling in any situation, even in the mid situations where it's the check down route on fourth down. I think you've got to at least throw the ball to, if not ahead of the sticks. That's your first problem. The second problem for the Minnesota Vikings, and I saw a couple people, including uh, our pal Peter Klein, tweeting this out. You've got a guy like Justin Jefferson who, I mean, if you if he's not one, he's two on most people's lists. Is that not the guy you're looking for in a big moment for this team? It's where I would have been looking if I was Kirk Cousins. I know you're talking double coverage. They're going to be aware of them, sure. But your big players have to make big plays. And when it came down to it for the Minnesota Vikings, they didn't do that yesterday. Uh, Justin Jefferson did have uh, a touchdown catch in this game. Actually, no, he didn't. thought he did, but it doesn't look like... uh... That happened, but he was. Anyways, the the point being, questions on fourth down. Minnesota loses it thirty-one to twenty-four. Last game, and the best one to get to. Uh, Cam, I am so excited for you guys to hear this clip because last night's game between the uh, Ravens and the Bengals from Cincy, Week eighteen rematch. These two teams know each other very well. Bengals heavily favored, no Lamar Jackson. We've talked about that. We'll talk about it again after this. But Tyler Huntley gets the call. He's been okay. He's been all right. But he's kept the Ravens in this game last night, and they have a chance late 
to, in the fourth quarter, go up in this game. To finally take a lead that they've battled for all game long. And not only do they not get in, but it turns into a massive play for the Cincinnati Bengals. Not only is it a massive play, but the call here from Bengals Radio is incredible. Huntley sticks the ball out. The Bengals have the ball. They are running it back. (laughs) Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Bengals. (laughs) It makes me laugh every single time. I love the countdown. The The 30, the 20, the the 10. The color guy is loving it. Loving it. And look, it's a home broadcast. I understand some people would prefer broadcasters on both sides to maintain, I don't know, some semblance of, I'm trying to think of what the right word is for it. Professionalism? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, call it equally, right? Non-bias. Yeah, exactly. Have some fun with it, but don't, don't be crazy. I love that he just throws that to the wind. Don't listen to the color uh, to the play-by-play guy here. Simply listen, and the clip starts with him getting excited. Just listen to the side background commentary again on this incredible Bengals defensive fumble recovery for a touchdown. Huntley sticks the ball out. The Bengals have the ball. They are running it back. (laughs) Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens 40. The 30. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Bengals. Woo. Woo. Everyone in their life needs someone like that. Just that one hype man. I love the laugh. The laugh. I'm just trying to find where the laugh is. They are running it back. <laughs> Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens 40. Nice. The third. <laughs> Maybe nice. in his later years, still have a good career as a Santa Claus. Oh, it just, it makes me so happy. It was a massive play. Obviously, Tyler Huntley trying from the goal line to stretch it over. Bengals strip it. Take it back all the way. Sam Hubbard. Gives the Bengals the defensive touchdown they need. 24-17 is the final, but the call is just incredible. Uh, I'll play for you one more time, but first, here's Tyler Huntley, Ravens backup quarterback. Uh, John Harbaugh postgame mentions, yeah, we'd like Huntley to go underneath the center in that situation, not go over top of the pile and leave the ball exposed. Here's Huntley on that fumble play that wound up deciding the game. I see everybody packed in. I just try to go over top. I thought I got. I thought I cleared the line. They just made a play, and just happened to take it all the way, all the way back. They sure did, Tyler. They sure did. And once again, the Bengals radio announcers were really excited about it. Huntley no. sticks the ball out. No. The Bengals have Go the ball. Baby. They are running it back. <laughs> Sam Hubbard Go, with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens 40. Nice. The 30. Nice. The 20. Yeah. The 10. The <laughs> 5. Touchdown. Bengals. <laughs> I think I love that part the best now. Bengals. <laughs> Keep that on file. We clip Woo. that. The new ringtones. <laughs> 
Bengals. <laughs> He's just so excited. And I love it. It's a massive play. I've had a couple of people text me, right? You know, who pays you now? It, it, no, that depends. Sometimes they're, they're team associated. Sometimes they're station affiliated. Uh, and obviously if they're Bengals radio, they're going to be cheering for the team. They're going to be all in on the Bengals. And that's important to know. But I just, I, I loved it so much. It was a massive play. Huge for the Bengals. They almost, almost found a way to lost that, uh, lose that game. Joe Burrow had a tough time through the air. Ravens came to play defensively for sure. Burrow, 23 of 32, 209 and one touchdown. Obviously, the Ravens struggled offensively. That's going to happen. Tyler Huntley is not Lamar Jackson. And what happens with Lamar Jackson now? Incredibly interesting. J.K. Dobbins running back for the Baltimore Ravens who uh, had himself a pretty good game, 13 carries, 62 yards. Uh, but post-game was talking about how he wasn't happy about his usage, didn't like how he didn't get the ball enough, was straight up honest uh, in his assessment that, hey, if we have Lamar Jackson, we win that game. We now enter the NFL offseason for the Ravens, and Lamar Jackson's a free agent. What happens with that situation do they move on from him? There's clearly a point of contention between the team and how Lamar values himself. But I, I just don't, in a league where quarterbacking means so much, and if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you look at yesterday and you look at what J.K. Dobbins is saying and what other guys are saying, you have that guy. Was he hurt? Yes. Is that unfortunate? Sure. But I don't know how you can look at Tyler Huntley yesterday. And I got all, I got a ton of respect. Backup quarterback walking into a divisional game in Cincy, that's tough. But the difference between him and Lamar Jackson is vast. What's the option if, you, if you're Baltimore and you don't pay Lamar Jackson? The, the options just are never as good. You're going to be looking for a quarterback that can do a lot of the things that Lamar Jackson does as soon as you let him go. So a 10-7 year for the Ravens ends with a 24-17 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. One more game to go on wildcard weekend as the NFL uh, takes over three days of your sporting schedule. Bucks and Cowboys tonight from Tampa Bay. Because the Bucks win their division, they will host this game. Eight and nine on the year. Cowboys, 12 and five on the season, but finished second to the Eagles in the NFC East. 6-15 kickoff. This one is all about who do you believe in more? Or what do you believe in more? Do you believe that Tom Brady still has it when it comes to being able to win big games in the playoffs? Or do you think the Cowboys are finally due to end years of playoff frustration? I think it's a good Cowboys team, but I'm not I've I learned way too long ago to never bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Until he doesn't do it, I'm just gonna assume he gets it done. I think it's a favorable matchup for them. 
Brady is an expert at getting the ball out of his hands as fast as possible, and that's where Dallas's D shines. That's what Micah Parsons does well. That's what Dallas is going to try to do. They're going to try to get to Tom Brady as fast as they can, but Tom's seen that story before, and he's going to have spent the entire week on every single outlet play to Fournette, to Godwin, to Evans, to get the ball out of his hand as fast as possible and frustrate Micah Parsons and that defense tonight. Can the Bucks D step up to stop what should be a good attack from the Dallas Cowboys? That'll be a big question in all of this. But again, I don't care how old he is. He's still almost through for 5,000 yards. The team around him wasn't as good as it usually is. Until Tom Brady doesn't do it, I have a hard time saying that he's not going to be able to figure this one out. Uh, we have uh, three of four divisional games set for next week already. The schedule out on Saturday. Chiefs will host the Jacksonville Jaguars. They enter eight-and-a-half-point favorites at home. NFC East will be represented in a matchup between the Giants and the Eagles from Philly. And we get the Bills and the Bengals, uh, a game that we were looking forward to a couple of weeks ago that obviously – um, got canceled because of the DeMar Hamlin situation. We'll now get to see these two go head-to-head in Buffalo. And then the winner of tonight's game between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers will travel to San Francisco to take on Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. So a great weekend of football. It all caps off with the Bucks and the Cowboys tonight. 6-15 uh, kickoff winner goes to San Fran to take on the 49ers. So that should be a great one. Great weekend of NFL football. And uh, if you take anything from it, just remember. Bengals! Woo! Woo! I love that. Bengals, woo! Uh, Good on the Bengals. Big win for them. And uh, we get to finally see that matchup we've been waiting for between the uh, Bengals and the Bills. Uh, That'll put a wrap on hour one. When we come back on the other side, we'll focus back in on the Flames and the Predators. This uh, time, we'll take a look at the opponent tonight. The uh, Nashville Predators coming in. They've got a win over the Flames this season already going back to November. We'll check in with uh, Willie Doncic, the play-by-play guy for Nashville Predators TV, see what's going on with the Preds, and then we'll uh, head back to Nashville and hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames before tonight's game. Kirk Muller, Milan Lucic, and Nikita Zadorov all coming up in Hour 2 here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.